is the first Comic Book Bin podcast on January 11, 2012. And before we start, here's the jingle, the official Comic Book Bin by creator James Hurry. Thank you. This is Hervé Saint-Louis from the Comic Book Bin, and today I'm with Dan Horn, another writer at the Comic Book Bin, and this is our third podcast, and also on the beginning of 2012. We're hoping to do this every week, and we'll see what uh, we have to say today. Um, one of the topics we'll be talking probably will be SOPA. Uh, this is something that we're really concerned about. And obviously, we'll be talking about comics. Now, are we talk too much? I'll just introduce Dan Horn. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Dan. Uh, glad to be here on the, uh, the first podcast uh, from the comic book bin. And uh, excited to talk about SOPA and maybe a few other topics. All right. Um, I guess maybe the first topic is... What's the comic book bin? Dan, what's the comic book bin? The comic book bin is awesome, plain and simple. <laughs> uh, we are maybe the best example of um, independent uh, um, comic resources uh, as far as uh, reviews, articles, editorials. Um, we really tell it like it is, we, we don't hold back, uh, we don't hold any punches, um, if you want to get a real um, uh, objective uh, view of the comic book industry, uh, we're the place to go. Yeah, um, some details about the comic book, Ben. Um, well, this year will be the 10th anniversary of the bin. So, it was created in August 2002. Um, at first, it was just a website that I created so I could sell my comic book collection. Uh, and I started posting a few articles here and there. Uh, I never did sell that comic book collection. In fact, probably uh, more comic than I want. Just because of the comic book bin right now. Uh, I'm not complaining, it's always cool, I like comics a lot. Um, so the bin within a year became like a, some kind of news review thing. And uh, it just started from there and it's become this huge thing, this, this huge website uh, with over 17,000 articles alone. Um, several categories, we cover comics, movies, action figures, video games, books, we have interviews. We cover all kinds of crazy topics sometimes in the pop culture. Um, in 2009, we started the first comic book being mobile site, which uh, obviously led to the first comic book being app in, in uh, March 2010 for the iPhone, uh, followed quickly by two other apps, one for Android and one for WebOS. So we're the only comic book news site news and review site as an app right now. Um, we had our third app 
even before Comixology at their second app. Uh, so there's a lot of other stuff in store for the bin for 2012. Uh, I'm always working behind the scene and the writers are always working with me. There's a lot of stuff we're working on. Uh, we're not going to tell you exactly what it is, but we're hoping it's going to be something cool that people will really want to participate and look at. Um, so, uh, yeah, one of the issues of this year would be SOPA, but um, let's start the new year with something more fun, something like uh, um, the Beanies. This is the second Beanies. Th these are the awards from the comic book bin. They're different than the other awards. Um, maybe uh, Dan want to say something about that. Uh, yeah, I think um, one of the things that's unique about the Binnies is uh, whereas other sites assign ranks to uh, books and they tell you this was the best uh, comic book, this was the best creator, this was the best adaptation, we like to take um, kind of a more inclusive look at all of the great um, uh, comic books, creators, um, moments in comic books from the year. Um, so what we do is we come together as uh, writers and, and we come up with a, uh, a pool of, uh, the best of the past year. And it, it, it's really interesting because it really runs the gamut of, um, uh, the comic book industry, uh, you get a lot of different viewpoints, uh, a lot of different um, uh, stuff to put on your pull list if uh, you don't already have it on there. And uh, I think what readers come away with most from the binnies is um, maybe um, just a little more to select from. Uh, from month to month, which I think is always a great thing, unless you're stripped for cash. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I want to mention that the Binnies was started last year, um, well, in 2010, by Zach Edward. Uh, he's been with mm -hmm. the Bin for quite a while, for quite a few years now, and uh, so that's all his baby. Um, I mean, that's how we work at the Bin. Everyone has kind of their babies. Um, because obviously I don't have time to take care of all that stuff, so uh, I, I'd never have the, the time to take care of something like the binnies. And it's all Zach's work. He's the one who organized everything. He's the one who got all the all the input, all the reviews, um, assembled everything. He's the one who did all the work. It, that's his baby, uh, even though it, it's part of the bin, obviously. Uh, but that that's kind of how the bin is. Uh, it's a little bit different than other sites where. There are others, other, a lot of other sites have like this editor in chief, which in this case would be me, uh, that's dictating to everyone what they have to write about and what's their opinion about things uh, and what they have to do. Um, the bin is quite different from that, whereas all the articles that you see at the bin, I'm, as the editor, publisher, whatever you want, I, I'm, my title is, I'm not the one who says to people, you have to write about that. Um, people write exactly. about what they want and their opinion are theirs. I'm not there to say, no, you're wrong and you can't bash DC or you can't say something like that. That's not, that's not how the bin is. Um, and, and that's probably one of the things that make us a little bit different because other websites, you, you have a dictator, 
an editorial line and there's you can't crap on this company. You can't say that. You can't give a bad review to this publisher. You just can't because they advertise with us. <laughs> uh, we don't do that. Um, the opinions are the writers and they're free to voice them, which gives the bin something that's more fun in terms of if you're a reader, you get to see a lot of opinions. Uh, often we have reviews of books. For example, the last one where that many people covered was Justice League number one. I think we had six reviews of that one. Uh, all of the opinions are completely different. None of them match. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's a fun. Th I mean, that's fun. I mean, I think it's fun. I, I don't want someone to say no. That's what you have to think about. This is this is what Justice League is, and that's it. Um, at the bin, it's not like that. I mean, there's six different opinions, and they're all valid. Uh, not one is better than the other one, and that's the fun part about the bin. I mean, I don't know about what if you like that, uh, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, autonomy uh, at the bin is one of the uh, reasons that I've I've stuck around and I, I plan to stick around for much longer um, because not only do I get the, the chance to write about comic books, which I love, but I've gotten a chance to write about. Um, you know, anything that I want, pretty much, uh, movies. Uh, I wrote a, an article about dying, pop, uh, uh, dying punk rock culture in Philadelphia uh, a while back. I wrote about, um, you know, Andy writes about music a lot, which I love his uh, album reviews. Um, I got to review a novel. You know, it's, uh, you get to do a lot, um, and there's nothing nothing holding you back so uh it's nice being your your own boss pretty much yeah but the the good thing is that we kind of have w the one thing we do share all of us i guess in terms of vision not in terms of what we think about the specific comic and so on is that we all have that that thing about quality and and to be true i guess to ourselves and to the readers like um i think that's one thing we all kind of share, uh, we all value that independence that we have, uh, because this is where there's, I don't, and really, I, I don't mean to be nasty when I say that, but there's no other website that does it. They're, they just don't. They're, they they have a lot of uh, pressure. A lot of them know people. As you probably know, the comic book industry is very small. Everyone knows everybody. I know a lot of people too, uh, but I don't care. <laughs> we say what we have to say. Um, a lot of them have worked in publishing or go back and forth and so on. So a lot of time they can't afford to say what they really want, what they really think, because that could block them from uh, getting a job later or, and so on. We don't do that. I mean, I'm not doing this to get a job uh, at Marvel or DC. That's not, I, I kind of don't care about that stuff. <laughs> um, so we do have that freedom. And over the years, I mean, we've had a lot of writers. A lot of them are still with us. Some of them, like Leroy, uh, Philip, uh, and Kopi, they've been almost from the beginning. Uh, so that's like a whole... Uh, Philip, that's like almost nine years. And Leroy and Kopi, that's like eight years. So that's a long time. Uh, so they've been with the bin for quite a while. Uh, but still... Uh, I mean, they, they, 
they stayed with it. And we've had a lot of other good writers over the years. Some come and go. Some have graduated to real media. <laughs> I like to say that, that the bin was good for a lot of, uh, of the writers to become real writers for uh, other media. Um, and that's what the bin is about. Uh, by the way, you guys have probably noticed my French-Canadian accent. Yes, I'm a Canadian. I speak French. I can't change that accent. I'm sorry if that if if you can't stand it. Give an American, give an American accent impression. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I've actually tried to. Every time I try to do that at work, people say, "No, please don't." <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, I can't. Uh, it, it it sounds really bad. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it uh, it adds a nice international quality to the podcast. Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, when I try to imitate an oh, American, your, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I do uh, what a British uh, impersonation, which is okay. Uh, I probably won't do it today. Maybe another day if I drink maybe enough. Another day. All right. I look forward to that. Um. Yeah. So this is the bin. Uh, we have a third guest today from another podcast, uh, another website. And let me see if he's available. I see he's online on Skype. Uh, awesome. So um, his name is uh, Brett Shanker. Um, he's from the graphicpolicy.com uh, website. And because one of the topics we're going to be talking about today is SOPA. So I'm just hoping to see if uh, he's not ready yet. So as soon as he's ready, uh, we're just going to add him. Okay, he's he's responding so soon. Let me see if he's available. Um, we're going to talk about SOPA, which is something that's very big for the inter internet and, well, the comic book industry. And uh, we'll see about that. Uh, let me just see what he's saying on Skype. Um... um Um, yeah, okay. He's worried about being late. He's not late. Okay, I guess he's gonna he's gonna join us like uh, within minutes. Okay, should so, we uh, talk a little bit about what SOPA is? If uh, yeah, what isn't? Well, I was hoping uh, that, completely that, sure. Well, yeah, I guess SOPA is uh, it's a new policy from the the U.S. Well, that was introduced in Congress, uh, sponsored by several uh, representatives um, to change, well, to combat piracy online. Um, but this policy, and there's also the equivalent, which people often forget, which is called PIPA. And that one is in the Senate. Uh, the two of them have kind of the same provisions in, in the bill. And they would probably change a lot of things about how the Internet works. 
but um, okay, so Brett is ready. So let's just introduce him a bit. Um, okay. Let me see if I can add him to the. Yeah, I can add him to the conference. So uh, okay. Hey, how you doing? Hi, Brett. Uh, how are you? Hi, Brett. How you uh, doing? Good. So we're live. Just so you know, we're live right now. Okay. Um, and this is Hervé, and Dan is here. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. So um, I guess we wanted to organize this uh, this quick podcast, especially in the beginning of the year, uh, to talk about SOPA. And let me introduce him, Brett uh, Schenker. Am I pronouncing it right? Yep, you got it perfect. Okay. Uh, Brett has been probably in the comic book industry, the one person that's been the most uh, upfront about SOPA, the most informed probably also, because that's what Brett does for his... Uh, he kind of works in that industry, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that's my day job. I actually uh, am a political consultant from you know my nine-to-five job. Cool. So you know everything about SOPA, so... One of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast is to raise awareness about SOPA and the effect it could have on not just the comic book industry, but all of media. Um, some people have said it's a fight of two big industries, uh, media versus technology. I come from the technology side, obviously, um, and that's a concern for me. But I've also read and hear people say that it's probably it, just putting it technology versus media simplifies things because there's one group that everyone f forgets all the time it's the users the people and the people who vote whether they're americans or not because obviously i'm not american but so far affects me as as much as any american which is kind of uh, and that's why SOPA is so bad <laughs> yeah, the fact that I even a canadian that... worries about SOPA <laughs> is not good <laughs> Yeah, aren't you guys supposed to be, like, happy and go lucky up there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's actually part of the thing that's frustrating about this legislation. Um, so so what SOPA is, the Stop Online Piracy Act, and there's a, a Senate version that's pretty close called the uh, Protect IP Act. Um, what it does is it's a new way for copyright holders to um, stop foreign infringing sites from... Um, passing on copyrighted material. So it, it's supposedly going to be focused on just foreign websites. I'm a little skeptical of that, uh, based because of some things that are in the bill. But, um, I mean, the irony is, is this legislation is an attack on foreign websites. And when it comes down to it, those folks really don't have the ability to sway or influence elected officials who are the ones voting on it. So as an American and so many others are speaking up, you know, it's our duty and we need to take up the fight. Um, I mean, it's very realistic and likelihood that a virtual blockade, and that's what this is, by the United States against, uh, you know, I, I kind of do air quotes of, of pirating sites, um, is going to be um, retaliation. There's going to be retaliation from other websites that are going to uh, cause issues with American websites. So, um, you know, it's our, it's our duty, one, to speak up. You know, primarily because it's it's horrible legislation. Um, and it's 
not well thought out. The the uh, aims and what it's trying to do, it's not going to accomplish, um, and it's going to do some irreparable harm on the internet, on free speech. Um, it is censorship. No way you can. Uh, no matter how much they try to spin, it, it's outright censorship, and um, and it makes every individual online have to be a. Uh, intellectual property and copyright expert when they uh, when they do any interaction online, which is utterly ridiculous. Yeah, um, well, that's probably like the, the big picture. I don't know if, do any of you have anything to say about specifically how that would affect the comic book industry? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, just think about what fans do every single day uh, when it comes to comic books. I mean, you've got websites like DeviantArt or Etsy. I mean, r right now, the brilliance of the of the internet and the, the way culture has gone in the last decade is we are now a uh, in the, you know, a culture and people of, of reusers. Um, you know, people do come up with original stuff, but the vast majority remix and reuse um, and put our own spin on things. So, people that do fan art that post things up on Deviant Art that have a shop on Etsy, that do YouTube videos, um, possibly even reviewing uh, comic books and showing off art, are all on the line uh, when it comes to this legislation. Uh, I mean, the ridiculousness of it is there's jail time, there's fines. There's jail time and fines for just linking to these infringing sites. Um, it's it's kind of completely over your edge. I always use the example of, um, there is, it applies to the music industry, But uh, there was a woman, as, as many parents like to do, is film their child dancing to, to music, and she put it up, and the music playing in the background was Prince. Well, Prince decided to uh, prosecute her to the full extent of the law for copyright infringement, and she's been fighting this, uh, this court case for years now. Imagine DC or Marvel. I mean, Marvel has explicitly signed up, signed supporting this legislation, um, deciding to sue websites for posting uh, leaked, uh, uh, leaked images or on DeviantArt, they might not like some of the images that people do. Um, at that point, they can say it's an infringing site and not just get the post taken down, the entire website can get blocked from America, US users um, and basically wiped off and hidden online. It's, it's using a nuclear bomb to solve an issue that can be solved in so many other ways. And that's the frustrating thing is content creators are refusing to actually get with modern times and take advantage of um, this new world and this new way of interacting. I mean, a, a perfect example I use is, is the Chris, Chris Brown's Forever. Um, there was that viral video of, of the wedding party coming down to his song, and that video's done millions and millions of hits on YouTube, and instead of them saying, you know what, this is our song, we're going to take it down, instead they bought the ad for that video so that you can go to, uh, to iTunes and purchase it. And the next thing you knew was Forever was back on the iTunes chart, and this was when Chris Brown wasn't doing well in Public Eye. Um, it was selling you know, solid, uh, uh, solid numbers, it was charting again, um, and that's a way of taking uh, that remix and reuse culture and making something positive positive of it. I mean, you know, you want the first thing to, to, stand, to make a positive out of piracy, 
do digital ads in your book and track those ads and make sure you're getting revenue from from uh, advertisers and those digital books. If you have, you know, I've heard quotes of, you know, my book's been pirated a million times. One, I'm calling BS on that. But two, why aren't you getting the revenue for a million eyes on your book as far as advertisements? That's just not using the information that you have properly to get paid properly. And that's laziness on the content creators and the publishers. That, 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 yeah. so, Sorry about that. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a few, there's, there's two things I, I mean, uh, we could say about that. Um, you mentioned the creators. Uh, we probably need to adjust that and say it mo mostly the media companies that work with creators. Oftentimes, it's not even the creator that that's well. The, it's not the creators that are lobbying Washington D.C. right now. Yeah, uh, they don't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the people that are fighting it for are are absolutely the. Um, large corporations, but I mean, there are creators who support this. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. They they look at it as a way to fight piracy, and that they're hiding behind the publishers. Just like in the video game industry, a lot of publishers are hiding uh, behind their um, industry association. I have no doubt there is a lot of creators that are hiding behind the publishers, and and they're not to say that they all agree and think that way. There's many vocal ones: um, Steve Niles, Ed Brubaker, Jonathan Hickman. Um, are just some of the, the bigger names that have spoken out. But um, the fact is, the creators also need to speak up. I mean, they have a role in going to the publishers and saying, you're leaving money on the table and screwing me over because I'm not getting paid the way I should be. You know, we might have sold 30,000 copies, but if a million people look at it and you can measure that million people, you should be, be being paid for the million people that are looking at it. That's, uh, uh, that's just basically working one over on the uh, on the creators and there's actually a great study that was just released uh, today um, a an industry association paid a firm to do research on piracy and what would stop piracy and the firm came back and said you need to build a better better torrent you need to actually come up with better ways to get the content in the hands of people who want the content and piracy will go away. I've seen studies, I've seen statistics, I've seen surveys. If, if people can get things legally, they will. Um, and as soon as this organization said that, the industry association fired the fired basically the research company um, because they don't want that out, which shows that this is there, there's more going on here. Um, not everyone's being upfront, um, and it shows to me that the the publishers, the creators, are being lazy. And they don't want to do the work and actually get to modern times. Yeah. Um, Dan, you were going to say something. Yeah, I, I was. But I think um, my question has been answered. But I did have uh, another point that I wanted to make. Uh, Brett, if you can help me out with this. For me, uh, it seemed really strange that on the heels of the Arab Spring, uh, you know, lobbyist-backed politicians really started pushing for SOPA. And uh, one of the things that kind of raised a red flag for me was, uh, as you said, uh, SOPA is ostensibly aimed towards foreign uh, rogue sites. And uh, really, uh, one of the only um, ways that we, we found out about things going on in Egypt, Syria, and Libya were through uh, foreign social media. Yep. And it was a, it was a strange coincidence, I thought, that uh, all of a sudden, there was this uh, global social unrest, and now, damn, SOPA. You know, it was <laughs> set off some warning yeah. bells. 
Well, yeah, I actually don't think there's there's that's too far off. Uh, I mean, from the from the chatter I've gotten in, um, you know, kind of the the in the background is that uh, you know organizations like the MPAA and RIA. Let's be honest, they're the ones that are really driving this. Um, asked for like we need new regulations to fight piracy, um, and they kind of laid out generally what they want. And SOPA and PIPA goes far beyond what they asked for, which to me makes me think there is more to it. Well, I mean, the, I will I will put money. The first website that is targeted under SOPA and PIPA will be uh, will be WikiLeaks. I have no doubt that site will be shut down. Um, and there's and there's worse things in there. I mean, we're, we're talking about the copyright end of it. Um, I mean, there, there's one thing of like you can't do um, a, a fakes of military uh, uh, hardware. You know what? That's fine. I've got no argument with that. Um, but there's a section on it that actually gives internet service providers the ability to block any website that is deemed a harmful risk to health. Um, and it is up to the internet service provider to deem what that is. And there is nothing that people can do as customers that to fight that. They are exempt from lawsuits completely through uh, the legislation, at least in that part of the legislation. Um, and the customers can't do anything. And what's disturbing is that um, many people, you know, at least in the U.S., really only have one option when it comes to internet service provider. Most of them have monopolies in the area. Um, or at least one good option. So the fact that that's in there, I also have uh, big big issues with. I mean, the, the argument is, oh, it's supposed to shut down fake medication or uh, um, like you know people selling Viagra or stuff that you can't get. No, what it's going to shut down is people purchasing drugs from Canada. Let's be honest. I know. <laughs> no, I mean that's what they're. That's what we see truckloads of them coming every weekend. Uh, they come to drugstores here. <laughs> They organize yeah. them, they put them in buses, and they just bus them around. And, well, I mean, that's a, that's a frequent sight if you're Canadian. Uh, Americans coming in town to buy drugs because they're, they're much cheaper. Um, and they're, they're exactly the same drugs, and they're not from Mexico. They're actually quite, well, they're not, they're, the, drug com, the drug stores here are not supposed to sell them like that. Uh, it's right. actually illegal for them to sell them like that, too. I mean, because people need validated prescriptions uh, from the same country, at least. Um, but yeah, this is one of the things that they're probably targeting. But something that you asked, uh, Dan, which really gets to me, because that's really something that I really care about. You talk about the Arab Spring. Um, I don't know if you know, Brett, but I actually did my, I just finished my master's thesis on Iran and Twitter. <laughs> I actually would like to read that. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I can read it. I've actually read those tweets. <laughs> I'm probably one of the only person alive who's read those tweets. Uh, there's 50,000 of them I collected. Um, and what happened, one of the things that happened that was quite interesting uh, was that when Iran shut everything else, well, they, they were shutting down YouTube and Facebook continuously, even the New York Times. They would shut them down. They would open them a bit and so on. Uh, Twitter was shut down a few times too, but one of the reasons that Twitter became so important was Twitter was the last funnel, the last place where everyone could actually say something. Yeah. Um, and that's why it all went on Twitter. Because um, they did shut down Facebook preemptively and fa uh, and YouTube was, although YouTube wasn't shut completely, but there, there was other ways. And I, from what I've read, 
the information I've got, the State Department in the U.S. is actually not in favor of SOPA because it's not in favor of some of the actions that they're trying to promote around the world, whereby yep. the Internet is used for people to communicate. So SOPA yep. actually brings in some legislation that's in line with what's happening in Iran and China. Not not a not a bunch of people you want to be friend like you, you want to be <laughs> you want you want your legislation to be compared with, um, and <laughs> yeah yeah I mean so it's interesting on that is uh, one that was brought up during the hearings in the uh, judiciary House Judiciary Committee in, in December, um, and I think Chairman Smith got like really offended by the fact that there is a comparison between China and Iran, and while while uh, blocking, you can say it's compared. I mean, there's there's slight differences. Um, I mean, it, it's not quite as harsh right now, but um, you know, you, you can see it going that way. I mean, once you start taking away free speech, it's a slippery slope. Um, but the interesting is what you bring up is is the State Department situation. Is the State Department um, had played a role in making sure that there was an internet to still hop on. Um, I mean, it's kind of an open secret that they've basically got this black box to still connect and get around local internet services, and it's something that they're improving on to help foster a revolution where there, you know, where there wants to be you know, this online revolution um, and an online uprising. Um, so they are actually figuring out ways to get around censorship, which is kind of a fascinating thing where you have uh, the House and Senate talking about a black, uh, you know, having a blacklist uh, blocking parts of the internet, and you have the State Department directly actually taking actions to prevent that in other nations. The State Department officially has said they have no stance whatsoever because they actually stand, to, you know, while it's a policy uh, issue for them, they actually stand to gain as well in that there will be more uh, staff. Um, in U.S. embassies around the world who are, will be in charge of enforcing this. So, you know, in a, in a weird way, while it's against them, they also gain from it at the same time. But they've officially said they have, they have no stance. Um, where you have the, I think, cybersecurity chief has come out against it and said that it um, will do undo the work that they've done towards securing the Internet and actually stamping out fraud. Um, so there, I mean, there are parts of the government that have come out against the legislation and then you've got others who are kind of, you know, playing it neutral, like the state department. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's something that's hypocritical and, and ironic where, you know, part of what they've been doing over the last you know year or two is getting around blocks in foreign countries where they're going to do it here. Yeah. There's something I'd like to share, um, to the listeners, um, about the kind of things that can happen if SOPA gets through. Uh, I've written about it on the site already, but if people don't want to read, I mean, they can listen to it now. Um, it's actually a real story. I don't know if you know which one I'm going to talk about then. Um, it's about the Viacom issue that we, the bin had with Viacom a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, yep. that was in 2007. It started in 2007. So I was actually invited when I went to uh, San Diego to do a couple of interviews of uh, 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 BET, Black Entertainment Television, was going to do a whole new series of stuff uh, related to animation and so on. And they had Reggie Hudlin, which uh, was a writer of uh, The Black Panther um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, as the new director or head of, head of uh, BET. 
if I'm not mistaken, there was a fight or something. Reggie Hotland was fired from BET. Uh, it wasn't very nice. So we did this interview, this video interview, where we actually had the full approval and actually an invitation from the guys from BET, from their press department, to actually come and do this interview. They wanted us to do this interview. So I posted that on YouTube. It's like it's it's not even like the greatest interview. It's just a not even like it's not even five minutes um, of just Reggie Hudlin talking about his project at BET, and he, he talked about about the the Black Panther and so on. And a couple of months after that, I got a takedown notice from YouTube saying that the, I had that the video infringed on Viacom's copyrights. Um, now this is an interview that was done with the full approval. Uh, yep. But not just that, it was edited with my equipment and it was shot with my camera. <laughs> Yet Viacom, because it, it it was in a fight with Reggie Hudlin and probably wanted to remove everything related to Reggie Hudlin and Viacom and BET, decided that they were going to take down this video uh, using the DMCA. Is that the name of the... The DMCA is, yeah, Digital yeah. Millennium Copyright Act is the so, current... Yeah, so they used that to remove the video from YouTube saying that we had infringed on their copyrights. Now, this is something we shot with our own equipment and that they invited us to go to to, to actually do. They wanted us to do this thing. But so this is the kind of thing that uh, can be used against a lot of website. Innocent. Basically, the comic book bin was caught in a crossfire between Viacom and Reggie Hudlin. And because of the, they wanted to eliminate anything that had any mention of Reggie Hudlin and Viacom BET together, they got our video removed. Now, yeah. after a, it took a lot of protests for my part, but uh, over a year after that, they put it back. And obviously, they never apologized for this. And, well, they claimed that they owned this video, which obviously they didn't. The funniest part was that there was a watermark from the comic book bin's logo on top of that video. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's you know it's it's one of those things where you get you know you're gonna you're gonna see that more and more in that instance. You know, I use the the Prince yeah. uh, thing as an example, but you know the 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 best two things I can describe is how one hand has no idea what the hell the other is is doing. Is so there was all these these um, rap websites that were up, and the artists were leaking tracks. You know, the artist was giving the website tracks to play, you know, to try to build up to their uh, release. And all these uh, music industry folks, you know, got ICE, the, the uh, um, uh, ICE or, uh, law enforcement to seize the websites. And they went into this mass seizure and grabbed them. And everything was totally legit. Like the artist was handing it to the to this website and it's I you know it took I think at least a year for it to go through the courts and these folks to finally get their websites back. For you know a year there was a statement that said this has been seized by ICE. Um, and that's that. Like the the latest version of what a world under SOPA will be like is there was a judge and I want to say it was in Utah but or Nebraska but I could be getting that wrong as to which one it is. Um, and Chanel decided to crack down on people that were selling fake bags. And I have no problem with that. Like, go do it. That, that's great that you're going and fight it. So the way they did it was they found 200 websites that they thought were selling fake bags. They ordered bags from, I think, like three of them. 
Um, and of course, all three got fake bags, and they went back to the judge and said, "So we have 200, 200 sites we want to take down. We ordered from three of them. All three were fake, so therefore, all our two hundred must be in violation." And the judge shut all two hundred down. That's a violation of due process. Um, one, those websites didn't get their day in court. They didn't get a defense. They were found guilty before they an actual court. Uh, hearing was going on like they they never at any point got to defend themselves um, and that's what's happening is these websites are getting seized they're getting shut down with even without SOPA and PIPA um, and they're being found guilty before it gets to the point where they can even uh, you know have their day in court and most of these sites like if I got shut down I can't afford a lawyer to fight this for a year like I you know that for you that was a year of I don't know if you gained revenue off of the YouTube videos but you know, maybe that video blew up, and you could have gotten some revenue off of advertising. That's that's money out of your pocket potentially. Well, the problem, and then, what, what and that's utter crap. <laughs> yeah, what pissed me off was that they put this notice that it was a copyright infringement, and the video said come from the comic book bin. So it's like people would go there and think, oh, okay, comic book bin does copyright infringement now, yeah. and we absolutely do not do that. We don't. You know, as me as a blogger, and I don't know if you're thinking it this way, is I'm now scared, would be scared chillers of posting anything that any artist gave to me. Like, I, the guys behind uh, Monosite uh, hit me up with with um, images and stuff for me to post whenever I want. And, you know, IDW has some rules of, like, you can't post before this time. So I've been sticking with it just to be nice to IDW. But... You know, I'm sure I, I don't know if IDW knows that they're doing this. And if I post that up and IDW says, wait, 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 this is copyrighted material. We didn't want it to go up at point. My site gets seized because the artist wanted me to post it up. Absolutely not. That's that's crap. I mean, I would not be shocked if Bleeding Cool with all their leaks um, gets shut down within a year or two of this getting passed. Like if I was a vindictive company, I would do it in a heartbeat and just shut them down. Well, um, speaking of vindictive companies, uh, Marvel's parent company is Disney, who is notoriously uh, nasty with copyright um, infringements. Uh, you know, probably just as bad, if not worse, than uh, Viacom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Disney actually wrote modern-day copyright law in the U.S. Um, mm, yeah. Every single time their characters start kind of uh, about to go into the public domain... Disney somehow get things extended. Um, they are one of the people that are major responsible, uh, majorly responsible for modern day copyright. Um, you know, when when their animators wanted to organize and get the you know their proper cut for um, animation in the past, Disney crap clamped uh, um, down on on unions. Um, they you know, for as progressive and good in some ways that Disney is, they're also horrible in other ways when it comes to especially intellectual uh, copyright and intellectual rights, um, especially consumer rights. Um, and Marvel, I mean, the irony of Marvel um, be having their name on this after for like, what, how many years fighting with the Kirby estate over, yeah. you know, Jack Kirby getting a cut, like yeah. that just, the, both of those together put them in a horrible light. And then you take in their stance where they caved to the Tea Party in the U.S. over that issue with Captain America over a couple signs, and they apologized yeah, and changed man. that. Yeah, they apologized and changed that in future printings. To me, Marvel's now looking like it's not all that good when it comes to free speech. 
Um, no, they're not. Well, I have my issues with Marvel. <laughs> I've got a lot of issues with Marvel. Um, I will just say it in passing that because um, it after it, it happens all the time at the bin um, that the same publishers that fight tooth and nail for copyrights are often the ones. Uh, if you write a very nice review about their work, they're the first ones to take the, the entire review and post it completely on their website. Absolutely, and you better believe that any uh, any publisher that uh, that supports this bill and does that to me, I'm sending a cease and desist immediately. Well, uh, I'll just mention it game. somewhere that Marvel has a whole <laughs> review <laughs> from the comic book being posted. This is the bed that they're going to make, they're going to they're going to live in it. I mean, if this is the rules and they want to do it, I'm going to teach them a dose of their medicine of why they should have fought harder. Yep. Well. Yeah, Marvel has a full review of a comic book bin review on its website that they copied in whole. They never ask us our permission. Um, and other publishers, big publishers, have the same thing, too. Uh, actually, DC asks ask for permission and only takes a snippet. So I'm not going to complain about DC. DC, there's, there's a better due process with DC, I find, with things like that. Uh, Marvel was a company that uh, tried to shut down everything to re related to fan films a couple of years ago. Uh, they never understood the fan film thing. Uh, you probably wonder why there's, there's very few fan films related to uh, Marvel characters, and there's a lot of them related to DC. It's not because the people who make those films uh, prefer DC material. It's because the moment that Marvel puts uh, some, something Marvel gets posted, it gets shut down very quickly. Um, a couple of years ago, that was in the early 2000s, uh, George Lucas and this, with Star Wars was quite uh, um, vindicative about things like that too. Until he got he got it that hey, all those guys doing all those uh, fan films related to Star Wars, they're actually promoting Star Wars. They're making yep. people buy more Star Wars stuff. They don't take a single penny from me. I mean, it's, especially when it's a fan film. I mean, it's a it's a cheap movie, a cheap little f film, like a five-minute film done with like, like very cheap equipment and bad acting and so on. Uh, how can that even take a sale from buying the real Star Wars DVD? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I imagine, especially in the past, Marvel was very protective in that they were doing everything they can to sell rights to uh, movie companies. So they're going to be overtly protective um, to try to value that as much as possible. There's DC has got the advantage of being their own movie studio. I mean, Marvel yeah. only has had that in the last five, 10 years, but yeah, I mean the, the perfect example is DC. There's, I forgot what company does. It's got a whole bunch of Batman films and um, they're all actually pretty good i mean it's it's pretty solid stuff and dc lets it go like i've never seen anything um when it comes down to takedowns of those films yeah well what's interesting is the for me right now and i know we discussed that a little bit brett in the past uh, is the reaction of the comic book industry to sopa so far which i would say is kind of a i don't know what's the word if there's even a word for it non-existent <laughs> yeah um, uh, yeah I mean it's, it's disappointing I mean to say it's a uh, when it comes to those who are pro-SOPA uh, the anti-folks greatly outnumber them 
but it's not the hundreds of people. I mean, you compare it to so compare it to the video game industry, which I think is a fairly fair comparison. Um, not only so one, the, the game industry has a uh, uh, association that is fighting for SOPA, so that you know that's fine, and a lot of the companies are participating in that and de facto by paying membership that they're they're fighting for SOPA. You know, it is what it is. Uh, but many companies have spoken out and said, we do not support SOPA. We are actually lobbying our own industry association to change that. Um, on top of that, you've got a consumer, uh, uh, Entertainment Consumers Association, which, uh, full disclosure, I, I consult for, um, who has been whipping up consumers to fight SOPA, and they have. And you, especially in these last few weeks, when it came you know, very clear about where these game um, publishers are standing, um, the the blog starts speaking out. I mean, there is not a blog. There is no major video game blog that hasn't covered SOPA and hasn't covered it multiple times, and actually has had a, an opinion about it and asked people to take some sort of action. Um, you don't see that in the comic book industry. It, you know, there's there's comic book bin, there's graphic policy and comic attack, and that's it. The other, the major, you know, I say quote major ones um, that people think of had an article after Twitter basically called them out on, on Twitter, um, they had an article after Rich at Bleeding Cool decided to post it up, and Rich's was explained the situation, and that was it. There was no call to action. There was no stance. And out of all Rich. of us that's going to get their ass handed to him because of this, Rich is going to be the one. Um, and then everyone else followed it. Whether he's a for but it's a foreign website. Um, and he does a lot of leaks. So if I was a major publisher, I'd get him shut down. Like, there'd be a point where I'd say, you know, forget it. Um, there's other sites that are much more pliable. But the other ones all had the same thing, where it was crap coverage, it explained the situation, and that was it. There was no link to say, hey, sign this petition. There was no, where does this, our website stand? Um, and to me, that that's not leadership. It's a lack of leadership. Um and it's it's unfortunate and it's sad and there's been there's great companies that are speaking up. Uh, Fanographics today, um, you know, released a statement, not you know, released a quote from their president that say they are standing against SOPA. They think it's a um, it doesn't have protections on free speech. It's an infringement, um, an encroachment by government on our interaction. Uh, Twitter has been um, leading it and uh, helped whip up Dear Marvel so people can go to uh, uh, voice their displeasure with Marvel stance. It's DearMarvel.com. Um, and there's been uh, some some creators like Steve Niles, Ed Brubaker, Jonathan Hickman are, are the big ones, especially Steve Mile, uh, Niles. He's been constantly talking about this, but it's it's sad. Like I keep on every day putting out calls of saying who wants to add their name to a list of those standing against it. And while I get tons of retweets and it's getting out to tens of thousands of people on Twitter, um, and I imagine a good chunk of the comic book industry, few take me up on it. Um, and it's just, to me, it's like, how can you stand for free speech and say nothing on this? Like, if there was ever legislation that's clear that's broken, I mean, I've worked in politics for 14 years. This is one of the most broken pieces of legislation that I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's horrible, and it's clear how horrible it is. 
but they don't do anything. And I think partially it's because they're afraid of where the publishers stand um, and they care about their, you know, they care about the money as opposed to being able to create comics. Um, you know, as I pointed out to one person, I was like, do you get artists off of DeviantArt? And he's, he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's great. You're not going to be able to get that anymore because DeviantArt's gone when the first season desist goes out. Um, you know, see ya. You know, there goes all these potential great artists that are coming up because of this site. Um, and the, and finally it clicked of like, oh wait, you know, these people aren't really doing anything bad. They're kind of showing up their fandom. Like, yeah. Um, and it's just sad. It's frustrating. And I, you know, it's, it is what it is. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, Dan, I'd like to know more about what you think, because, uh, I, I guess, um, you're probably closer to the, the average comic book reader what what what's your opinion about all, all this stuff uh well to be honest i uh today i actually went in and i i cut my uh pull list by 50 i'm just i'm so sick of uh you know these really uh pale retreads of stories that marvel and dc have been doing over and over and over again you know and one of the reasons that uh Books like uh, books from Santa Graphics, I feel like um, they're speaking out against SOPA because a lot of the things that they uh, publish are really um, contemporary, relevant, um, you know, uh, sometimes controversial, um, and that's their bread and butter, you know. Uh, and if uh, freedom of speech starts to evaporate, you know, when that all goes away. But Marvel and DC have this really formulaic, um, you know, publishing practice where it's, you know, uh, four versus sin. And then next year it's going to be Avengers versus X-Men. Next year it's going to be, you know, this yeah. or that, or, uh, the death of Spider-Man, you know, it's, uh, uh, uh yeah, go ahead. I'm I'm sick of the big two right now. So then this is just, uh, I guess it's just a, a symptom of a bigger problem that these guys are just, uh, they're just in it for the cash. They're not in it for the art. Um, you know, and I feel like if creators cared about it, if they, if, you know, uh, say half of the creators that were with DC and Marvel let their contracts expire, just walked away, went to another company like Image, like uh, Brubaker and Phillips, Uh, I have a series with Image right now that's awesome uh, so far. Um, it just came out last week, the first issue, Fatal. Um, if more creators started going to other companies, um, you know, big uh, collaborative teams like Brubaker and Phillips, um, I think we would see Marvel and DC either dissolve or retract their, their stances on um, copyright infringement and um controversial subject matter yeah i so mine is i don't think they would necessarily take uh reverse their stances i i mean i'm under no doubt that this is a decision by disney when it comes to marvel um but what i think you would see then is them actually being creative in how they make revenue i mean the, if you go to marvel's website right now the advertising is minimal 
Um, you know, why aren't they, you know, why isn't there that X-Men subsection where there's blogs going on from creators with advertisement that they're gaining revenue from? To tell me that's not going to get millions of hits is unrealistic um, if it's done right. The, uh, you know, when you have a digital book, if, if it's, if yeah, it's going out, you know, piracy, uh, it's, it's a reality. It's going to happen. Like, is that being factored in? Um with the advertisements that you're getting out, like, you know, great, we sold 40,000, another 40,000 people read the book through, for part, um, through BitTorrent. Um, you know, are you selling that space? I mean, it's lost money. Um, and the fact is, I, I really think they're just either, they're either lazy or uncreative yeah. uh, when it comes to that. Uh, are you suggesting they put something like a small, like a banner at the top of every page, bottom and top? With, from an advertiser, so that when uh, whoever reads that page, hey, there's an ad in it. Let's keep it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, to me, not necessarily every page, but you know, a great example would be is that you you have an X Men section. Um, you know, you've got X Men First Class out on DVD. You need a ba there. There should be a banner linking to the DVD to buy it. Um, wherever that link is going to to buy it, you know, maybe there's a kickback, you know, I say kickback, it sounds bad, but, you know, a deal that if we're going to send it to Amazon, Amazon's going to give us some money off of that. Um, so now that page is, is making money because the people are buying the DVD off of that. Um, you know, they've got some Marvel, some company doing T-shirts based off of it. Where's the, the banner to that to sell the T-shirts? Um, to me, that that's not unrealistic. It might not be the most the best visually thing out there, or look totally professional. But like DC has ads um, every so often on their websites that are for not DC products. Um, you know, it's it's money in the bank, like for very little work. Um, in in the case of the, if I'm not mistaken, pirated comics, it's a bunch of people who actually scan them day, day in and out, which I, I find that yeah. completely crazy yeah. that someone would even have time to scan all those comics. I mean, that's, that, that's, I don't know. And think about that release is a lot of pirated comics come out before they hit the street. Like they hit Tuesday night um, is a good chunk of them. So what does that tell us? That tells us that people it's are an inside it. job. It's an inside job. So it's, it's, very good chance since it's clear it's not a digital a copy that we get as as bloggers um so that um um so that it is obviously a scan of printed material and um the fact that it's scan of printed material says that it's coming from stores and it's stores that are doing this so you know, you're gonna you're gonna bust my chops because your own stores that are supposed to be selling this are, are screwing you. Like, how about figuring out who the hell is doing this? Like, that's the bigger. And it's not many. It's we're talking a handful of people um, worldwide that are doing this. Like, to scan a comic book and create a torrent of it takes a hell of a lot of time and a hell of a lot of effort. Yeah. Um. So it's not a mass thing like a music uh, track where you can rip it and throw it up. Like you have to scan it, you have to put the file together. Like this is not easy things to do. No. So um, one of the articles I wrote recently was um, uh, I actually put my my entire list of DC and Marvel, and I actually asked people to send us well send me suggestions of. Because I, I said I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna screw up on my local comic book store 
and just dump all those books. I'm going to replace them with other things. And the good thing about SOPA, if there is a good thing, is that there's a lot of books I've been reviewing uh, and buying because uh, you, pro- you guys have probably heard the term Marvel zombie. It's not a, In my case, I'm not even a zombie. I think it's more like, like as the publisher of the comic book bin, I need to know what's happening in this book, so I need to buy this book. That's basically mm-hmm. how I define it. I need to know yeah, what's happening. Yeah. Uh, by the way, people, <laughs> comic book bin does, that, does not get free comics from Marvel and DC. Uh, DC mm-hmm. once in a while, Marvel never. So yeah, DC and DC, it's usually Vertigo. Yes, are yeah. very special issues and so on. But yep. in the case of Marvel, every Marvel book reviewed at the comic book bin has been purchased by someone. Uh, so actually, we're doing them a favor when we review those books because they're not helping us at all. They're, 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 they don't cooperate at all with us, uh, Marvel. They, they don't really care about... Um, well, they've got their a couple of websites that they like and that's it. All of the websites they don't care about, um, which is a bit surprising why some of the the second tier of, of, of the bigger sites have not even reacted or are they like shitting in their boots about Marvel and DC? Like, isn't it the opportunity to call them out on their behavior with you guys for the last like couple of years? Um, I would say even the bigger site, like, well, the biggest, I, I hate that term because we probably have as many pages as they do <laughs> at the bin, at least we, we, we probably have as many articles, but the, the most, the, the better known site, maybe that's a better word. Um, um, are probably super targets themselves. Um, a lot of them have uh, big forums. And people post stuff on forums. And it's so easy. It's so, so easy to post something by mistake on a website. Um, so often it happens with the bin. It happens usually with smaller creators where they're so protective that they want, like, they give us a book for review. But they don't even want us to put the cover of the book online, which is kind of ridiculous. Because if you ask me, a, a comic book cover should be it's like a logo you want it yeah. out you want people to download and copy it you want the comic book bin and graphic policy to show your cover you want to give them a big cover you don't want to give them a small tiny 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 cover as if you were afraid that of people ripping it off it's a cover it's it's your logo how can people know about the book if they don't even can visualize the, the cover so we often have to like i would say educate those smaller the smaller creators and tell them, you know what? Your cover is a cover. If you're talking to me about in- interior art, I understand you're right. Interior art, let's be careful about that. But a yeah. cover, the cover should be all over the place. It's the last thing you should be protecting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it just blows my mind at times. I mean, the, I mean, you know, let's be honest. Uh, when it comes to press and PR, the comic book industry is not quite up to the professional standards of a lot of other folks. Um, and especially when it comes to new media and social media, um, they absolutely, a uh, vast majority, don't get it. Um, and it's, it's kind of fascinating to, to see these interactions 
where you know you want people to to spread around covers, you want people to talk about your comic, you want people to, uh, I mean, what sells comic books? Word of mouth is what sells comic book, and advertisement's not going to do it. But me going to a friend and saying you need to read this absolutely is going to do it. Like I, I have a lot of friends that have watched The Walking Dead TV show knew it was a comic book, and then have come to me afterwards being like, yeah, it's a comic book, how good can it be? And me spending just five minutes telling you know, how amazing Walking Dead is got him to not only check it out, but buy issues of it. Like, I've got a friend who's bought every single issue now in a very short period of time because you know they read that first graphic, the first trade and got hooked right away off of that five-minute talk I had with them being like, trust me, you're going to love this. I will give you ten bucks if you don't like, if you don't like the trade. Um, I'll buy the trade off of you. That's how confident I am in it. Um, that's what sells comic books. Like if you've worked retail at a comic book store, talking to your your customers is what sells comics. Um, you know, that that when number one comes out, um, a lot of people are hesitant on it unless it's got a huge name. But as the retailer, you backing it and talking it up does uh, does wonders. That's why I'm always amazed at the comic tart market hashtag when they bash books. Um, like, yeah, it, uh, I'm not saying you need to back everything, but, you know, it'd be, you should be honest. But the fact is, is uh, being vocal has a hell of a lot of uh, sway when it comes to what your, your customers buy. Um, and it just seems that, to me, the whole industry doesn't get that. That, that word of mouth is golden. Um, and the idea of recognizing and finding the influencers and the people that talk things up and really, you know, get things going just isn't there. Um, instead, they're going to focus on three or four websites that, yeah, they've got great traffic. I don't think they move crap. Um, and compared oh, to you have the other, same issue. <laughs> Familiar yeah, with and, that issue. Move, you know, it's it's not like it's not like under other industries where they will talk to everyone because who knows who's reading what. Yeah, I was just uh, I was at the at my local shop today and somebody had walked in and they were like, you know, uh, I'm looking for something new to read. And uh, the guy who worked there said, oh, a strange town of Luther Strode is really good. And the guy was like, what the hell is that? You know, he ended up walking out with the uh, the entire series thus far in his, uh, his hands, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of amazing. Like it, uh, the basic stuff that need to be done to promote and do press it's a failure. I mean, if I was any of these companies' press person, I would be screaming at the leadership of the company being like, we cannot back this bill and we need to speak up against it. I mean, right now, the fact that Fantagraphics, uh, 215 uh, Inc. has spoken up, both of them have spoken up against SOPA, you better believe I am right now figuring out how to better cover both those companies um, and help them out. Like, yep. they, they deserve it. Um, they absolutely yeah. deserve it. And the stuff is actually quite good. Um, and there's so many comics I need to replace right now. I mean, if I'm going to... I'm probably going to start dropping most of my Marvels first. I mean, um, I haven't been enjoying Marvel comics for quite a while now. I mean, every review I write, I, I keep bashing them. There's no point. I mean, the only reason I'm buying it is because I'm, I'm I think... Kind of a, like a Marvel zombie that because I'm the comic book bins publisher, I need to know what's happening in Iron Man, even though... Uh, I don't have a good time with it. it it's it's a bad comic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's I not mean, good. A lot of it's funny. Um, there was a there was someone that like Google reader suggested my site 
Um, and they started giving the site crap because we were like really positive in our reviews. And the stuff they kept on pointing out was stuff that I purchased. Like when it comes to Marvel and DC, the, the vast majority of it, um, like you know, 99.9% of it, 999% of it is bought um, out of my own pocket. And I'm like, of course it's good reviews. Why would the hell would I purchase crap? Like, of course I'm <laughs> going to review it and like it. Uh, <laughs> if I didn't like it, I wouldn't be buying it. So yeah. like, do you realize that? Um, you know, so that hence why on my on our site, like we make it very clear what is purchased and what is free. Like, and you take it for what it's worth. Free, I'm a little bit more flexible um, because you know it's I'm going to be reading stuff I don't necessarily like um, because I got it for free basically. Whereas the stuff of purchasing, like you know, I don't like this series. I'm just going to like Magneto and I Hero. I didn't like it. I didn't pick up the second issue. It really is as simple as that. Um, and the first one I picked up cause you know, I, I enjoyed my X-Men and I was like, I'll give it a shot. And I read it. I'm like, this is utter crap and stop it from there. Um, so it was just funny. I think really a lot of people don't quite get, and I mean, as a whole, it's something that kind of frustrates me with all the other, a lot of other sites is that, um, they don't disclose what is purchased and what's not purchased and under FTC rules, you need to. Yeah. That's something interesting. When you told me that I had heard a couple of I think that was over a year ago when that when that bill was being passed. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll admit the comic book bin does get its fair share of uh, review material. Um, yeah, there's I'll, nothing wrong with getting. I'll, I'll claim innocence <laughs> and I'll claim that I'm Canadian. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's actually an interesting thing thing uh, to mention that uh, for the reader it might be something. If they know that it, it's something that we got as a review unit, it might influence whether how they take how seriously they, they take the review. And I, I will admit this is not something that I've uh, thought of very much. Or, but that's probably one of those that we we'll probably have to explore. I mean, um, at, at the end of the day, the readers, and that's one of my cornerstone that doesn't change uh, we're not well at the bin we're not for the creators and the publishers we're for the readers first yeah um, those are the guys that matter because I, like I keep saying if those guys tomorrow if everyone stops buying comics everyone else is out of a job <laughs> yeah so, I mean it, it's what it comes down to <laughs> so that that's one major thing um, what do you think is going to happen? I believe the vote for SOPA will be on the 19th. Is that it? No. Yeah. No? Go ahead. Um, well, I don't know, because I'm interested in knowing, since you know a little bit more about that issue, and uh, after the initial articles I wrote at the bin, I haven't followed up, because uh, it, it, it's one of those things that kind of, it's so depressing. You're like, oh, wow, okay, they're going to, break everything that works right now for, for no reason, just out of spite. Um, what do you think is going to be the outcome? And when is the next time that there's going to be like some kind of vote or action on SOPA in Congress or for PIPA in the Senate? Uh, so the, the first is um, there's a, a hearing in um, that's going on with one of the House subcommittees um, that uh, Congressman Issa is the chair of. And it, I think it's like Internet Security or uh, some of the security, just completely blank on the name right now. 
But uh, Congressman Issa is one of the more vocal opponents of the legislation. And he's bringing in some experts, the, the head of um, Reddit, um, I want to say someone from Rackspace, um, and a few, and, uh, someone from ACL, ACLU, and there's like two or three other people to testify before his subcommittee on what this will actually do to internet security. Um, and then from there, House Judiciary is still in the markup phase um, of the bill where there's amendments that are going on, the legislation's changing um, as far as what it actually uh, has in there. And then in the Senate side with the Protect IP, last I heard, and I haven't heard otherwise yet, um, Senator Reid has called a vote on Protect IP on January 21st or 24th, um, blanking out which. Uh, you better believe, uh, I guess 24th, because 21st is Saturday. Um, I believe there's going to be a vote on like the 24th, considering Protect IP um, in the Senate. Uh, in the Senate, interesting enough, uh, luckily you've got Senator Wyden, who has said that he will filibuster the legislation and do everything he can to stop it. Um, but that means he needs another 40 other senators to stand up with him to sustain the filibuster. Um, there's a few senators that have, have spoken out, Senator Warner and a, a couple others who, with Congressman Ice, are actually backing alternative legislation called the Open Act, which is uh, much more like a, an international DMCA, um, which compared to the two, I'm, I'll be fine with, um, not happy with, but I'll accept it. Um, and at least that has some safeguards and has been thought out and has protections to websites unlike, with, unlike SOPA. Um, and that's, I mean, something we need to point out. Um, you know, so that's kind of the time frame. So there's, there's going to be some votes between in, during January. You'll see people whipped up. Um, Reddit is actually doing a blackout day on January 18th during Isa's hearing. Um, you know, basically, if you see Google go down dirt for a day, it's going to be that's when there's going to be a major vote on it. Um, I mean, we'll we'll have the information, but it's it, to say it's a fluid situation is an understatement. Um, so back to the, that really important piece of, of info is um, one of the, so we, we've brought up the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which was passed in like 2000, 2001, so around there. Um, the huge uh, a thing that was part of that legislation that was good was there was protections to websites for what their uh, users did. So Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, our site, your site, uh, WordPress, Tumblr, Etsy, all those. You know, main websites protected for the idiocy, uh, you know, the stupidity of their of their users. Yes. Um, you know, when they get a, a takedown notice, they're supposed to take care of it, and all of them do. And I think they do a good job. You know, I'm sorry to hear what happened to you, but you know, you can't blame YouTube. They were just doing, going through the process. Um, and that's fair. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I don't blame them. So, what, well, what's disturbing under SOPA and PIPA is uh, what's known as that safe harbor provision is taken out. Um, so my site, your site, Facebook, Twitter, all of them are screwed based off of what are, you know, all it takes is one dumbass user to ruin it for everyone is what it comes down to. Um, and it's not even like there's going to be no notification. They go to a judge, they get an order. Our sites are gone in five days. I know. Um, it, it's really that simple. So as a website, I, you know, there's quite a few, quite a lot of discussion as, you know, if this passes, do websites have to shut down their comments now to protect ourselves? Well, um, I mean, in my case, I mean, um, I had an intern uh, 
two years ago, and he's an intern. Like, he doesn't know copyright law. So he would yeah. post stuff at the bin, and, oh, and I would come back, uh, what did you get? Where, where did you get that? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's the thing is, like, so there, there is part of this legislation that says if you link to copywritten material, you're liable. So if I put a link on Twitter or a link on my blog, you know, I can get in trouble for that or Twitter gets in trouble for that. Um, I, you know, I, you know, knee deep in this legislation and I know a little bit more about copyright than the average person. Uh, but I'm not an expert at all and I'm sure I have, I know for a fact I violated it a few times. Um, the fact that you would have to make every kid every adult, everyone, an expert when it comes to copyright is ludicrous. Um, I mean, let's face fact, a juvenile under 18 and, or, you know, is not aware of these things, and they're going to be stupid, and they're going to pass music around, and it's going to get people in trouble. And how far do you take it? Like, So here's the, the, the irony of it all. Um, so if you work in politics, uh, especially especially in legislative offices, really anywhere anywhere in politics, uh, one of the role and jobs of your press department is gathering clips every single day. Yes. And they put together a packet of all the clips for the day and send it around to their office. That is a violation of copyright. Taking the entire article, copying it, pasting it in a Word doc, and sending it around is, I'm positive, uh, violates copyright. That is not fair use. That is taking the material, putting it in an email, and sending it around. It'd be no different than me ripping a CD, putting on one track, and sending it to people. Um, every single office on the Hill, every single politician, pretty much ever, is in violation of copyright every single day. Um, I mean, to, to me, like, there's such a disconnect of what they're doing. In reality, it, I just... I. It blows my mind. I mean, it's just too funny of like all these. Like John McCain got cease and desist notice on a campaign for <laughs> videos that he was doing. Like, you know, if they're not following their own rules as is, we're going to give them new ones? Like, hell no. Well, it'll be interesting to see what, what, what happens. Um, at this point, I'm not even. I couldn't even predict if it's going to pass or not. Um, but one one of the thing um, it's uh, what's his name I believe Corey Doctorow from uh, Boing Boing. Yeah, yeah, Doctorow is brilliant when it comes to uh, online. Yeah, I don't know if uh, uh, I'm not sure if I linked to it yet at the bin, but he did a talk uh, last month. It was quite interesting where he called it. He called what's happening with uh, Sopa and Pipa. Just the first attack on what he called generalized computing. Um, and he says that it's going to become worse. I mean, what he compared the, the, the media companies to was the first level in a video game. <laughs> the first boss. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. um, he was talking about things like, for example, uh, companies like Monsanto and who knows, maybe someday someone's going to put the code, some genetic code about some new genetically engineered Apple on a website. What happens next? <laughs> um, what happens when we get 3D printing, which is coming soon? Yeah. Um, so he, I mean, 3D printing, you can get for uh, $2,000, you can buy a printer, a 3D printer. Yeah. 
So there's going to be a lot of those things coming around where basically he said that the media industry was the, the first boss, but there's others in the street with, with much more money than they have and much more at stake that are going to be fighting an open internet and open communication and computers that can do anything. Uh, we all have phones that do almost anything right now uh, that are virtual computers. And the more and more that uh, we're going to go ahead, there, there's going to be a lot of fight over that open, that open, those open technologies and so on. Um, so, yeah, he was telling people in the audience to just brace themselves that the media companies are just the first boss. And he was kind of funny in the sense that he was saying that they're probably the, the one boss that we can actually defeat <laughs> properly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, I just, I mean, I was just looking around and I saw a great quote that said, the internet um, deems any censorship as an attack and will find a way against it. And well, I'm that's thinking, the thing. You can't win. It, yeah, you can't win. It's it's you're going against you're going against quicksand. And when it comes to piracy, I'm mean, the fact is right now, you know, it's not good. And I'm not pro piracy in any way, um, but it's manageable. You you know who the biggest vendors are. You know, Pirate Bay is a big thing. You know to watch BitTorrent and their various sites that track it. Like it is at this point the devil you know. Um, and at that point, like what I would do if I was a publisher, is, you know, would sit back and say, how can we turn this into a positive? You know, people, I forgot who did it, um, saw his comment posted up on 4chan by a fan. And he went in and explained the situation and said, you know, you guys are taking money away from me. I'm trying to sell this book. You're posting it for free. And the, and the fan at that point was just like, I apologize. I'm really sorry. I'm just a, a fan and wanted other people to check out this awesome comic. And that person saw a boost off of that. 4chan got behind the book and was like, hell yeah, we're going to do it. Like, you, you're not suing us. You're, you're treating us like normal people and adults. That, that's fantastic. Um, and they saw a boost. Uh, Neil Gaiman has, has speak, spoken out about piracy and compared it to a library um, and has done some experiments in Russia where they on purpose leaked um, copies of his books in Russia and saw a boost of sales due to that. Um, to me, there's so many questions that are left answered when it comes to piracy, the flow of information, how people are actually consuming it, why they're consuming it, that the fact that everyone's condemning it without actually having a clue about it blows my mind. Um, I mean, you might have seen the Twitter fights that I've gotten on quite often when people go out and it seems to happen about once a month where people start bashing piracy. And my retort is always like, I've seen the stats. I've seen some things here is piracy is not all that bad. Um, there are positives about it. And the fact that those positives aren't being explored and seeing if they can be manipulated to outweigh the negatives, that hasn't happened yet. Um, and again, I come back to the, it's the laziness by publishers, Marvel DC can absolutely spend the time in having one or two people looking into the situation that aren't lawyers and figuring out how to make this into a positive, to engage that community um, and do experiments. Like, you know, if I were DC or Marvel or hell, if I was an independent publisher, um, I would do the experiment of, you know, I'm going to take this comic that hasn't really hit the torrents yet or has hit the torrents yet, um, figure out a way to track it and release it myself and see what happens and put advertisements in there and see what people click on when it comes to the ads. Like, treat 
treat the Torrented uh, comics almost as a mobile website when it comes to advertisement. Well, and well, see what ha- see what happens. Like it's an experiment. It could blow up and be huge, or it could be bad. And I would even make it clear and be like, "Listen, we as a publisher are releasing this. We want to see what you guys do. We will. We are. We promise. We are not tracking who is doing this. We are tracking just how many are doing this." Um, and you know, here's our privacy policy. You guys can read it and sue us if you don't believe us. Um, and we will actually release the info to prove this is what we're doing. And we we promise not to sue. Um, we want to see if this is a viable option when it comes to to money. Like, if you ask people three or four years ago, was kick, would Kickstarter be a viable thing? Kickstarter is now one of the largest publishers of comic books, uh, depending on how you define publisher. Yeah. Um, it is a crowd crowdfunding website that is a new way of doing it. And, you know, publishers are at this point figuring out how do I use Kickstarter to move projects I wouldn't normally do. Um, do that with piracy. Like, it, it, I kind of described it to one publisher I talked to. I was like, if I was you, I would sit there, like, and do it like Top Cow's, um, do like Top Cow's pilot season. But on Kickstarter, and say, you know, we've got five or six projects we, we like. You know, we generally, they haven't done well when it comes to sales. We want to see them out there. These are unknown people. We're going to leave it to you uh, to uh, to see what you're willing to do and what you're willing to back. And this is going to go and help publish a real run. And, you know, we're not in financial straits. This is nothing to do with our finance. It is us not knowing what the market wants at this point um, and seeing what you guys do want. And at that point, you've got a low risk into a book. Um, it's going to get published. It's going to get word of mouth, and maybe sales get boosted. And you see some people that are doing that. Jimmy uh, Palmiotti is doing that with his Queen Crab, basically. Um, Women, Womenthology did something very similar, um, where they did a raise it, and now it's going out to the actual real world to sell. Um, you know that experiment's been going on, and it's still going on. Why isn't they experimenting with piracy? Because it's, it's got a negative thing. Uh, negative reputation and no one sees the big picture. Like there are very few big picture thinkers in the industry that can connect the dots. Well, I guess the comic book industry has always been uh, a little bit behind on everything. <laughs> Understatement. Uh, I mean, for example, I mean when when I released the the Android version of the comic book bin app with with a locator, um, a store owner came out against me. And basically bashed it in some form with other retailers and just blew my mind. And I'm like, dude, your store is listed in there for free. Like Diamond asked people to pay, like, I don't know if I'm not at least a couple of hundreds per year just to be listed in that store locator. We use a a GPS to to locate comic book stores. So we, so... I mean, we're, we'll make mistake. I mean, it's not perfect. We use technology. We don't go and list them manually. Um, and he was bashing it. And I'm like, I'm bringing you people that probably didn't even know your store existed in this corner of, of your town. And you're bashing this thing because it doesn't do exactly what, what you want it to do. Because you're complaining that silly complaints. And well, that's a comic book industry. So a lot of time... Uh, I go on those rants on the website because I'm just appalled by people's reaction to things. It's it's like they, they just don't get it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's so you know, it's interesting. It's just so how backwards and and backwards thinking the industry is um, in general. Is it's kind of it's shocking. I mean, there are some brilliant people uh, in the industry, and there's some that are doing some amazing stuff. Um, but as a whole, it's you know they need to get with the times and look at what other people are doing. Um, I mean, they are very close-minded as to who customers are. I think you can see that in, in yes. DC's marketing of their launch, re, uh, 52 relaunch. Um, I don't think they took into account at all who the, what the market actually is, and the fact that they did a survey post-launch and not pre-launch shows that they have no idea what they're doing. Um, that... Uh, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to one creator and I was like, so you wrote, you wrote a comic that had to deal with a woman in DC relaunch. I was like, do they talk to you at all about that, about maybe geared towards women or was there any discussion of any of that? And he's like, no, I'm like, um, okay. Um, you know, that might've been thrown around at some point and say, Hey, is this the comic that we could have geared towards women that we think could be a positive role model and get women in? Yes. No. Like, Oh no, we don't think it's a good fit. Okay. We'll do another comic. That's like that. doesn't seem like that conversation happened at all. Um, and you know, you know, I keep, I, I laugh in that the, the lack of advertising that I see when it comes to comic books towards me. Um, and I'm self identifying a lack of advertisement towards me. Just, it confuses me. Um, you know, there's all these statements of, oh, the industry is only like 300 or 400,000 fans. I see that number thrown around all the time by, of course, the industry experts. You know, I spent 30 minutes on Facebook and determined that the industry is about two to four million people at least. Um, and that was me spending 30 minutes futz around on Facebook. Um, well, a lot of those it, comics are not available in places where people are. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's what's amazing is like, you know, I say it's the, the industry is two to four million. I'm talking about people who have specifically listed comic books or publishers or terms for comic books. If you talk about the fans of like individual characters, it's in the tens of millions, um, which also shows a lack of understanding digital media and trying to convert people um, of fans of The Walking Dead into fans of the book. I mean, The Walking Dead's got, I think, five million people as part of their Facebook fan page. The Walking Dead series has like 400,000. Um, you know, if I was a publisher, I would be up on the television series site all the time and being like, oh, you know, do you really like this? You should see how it varies in the first arc of, of our comic. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, we're on yeah. hiatus while you're at it. You know, go find your local shop and, and get some comics. Like, that's marketing to me, and that's good marketing. <laughs> Man, um, you should be in marketing. <laughs> uh, but... I mean, it's frustrating, and it, to me, that's really basic stuff that no one's doing. Like, very few yeah. people are doing it. Yeah, it seems so simple, <laughs> and right in front of your face. Uh, <laughs> man, yeah, it's totally a, an opportunity that's being missed, even if there was something at the end of an episode that, you know, you can buy uh, the, the graphic novels at bitch.com or something like that, it, you know. Well, one thing I always notice. Yeah, one thing I always notice is I remember. I don't know if you guys are from uh, kids of the eighties. Uh, we used to have those GI Joe and uh, yeah, I think they were only GI Joe commercials on TV for the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I, I know a commercial is expensive. Well, probably these days it's probably less expensive than it used to be because, I mean, there's ways of doing that inside, uh, in-house and so on for them. Especially, I mean, they have big art department, those, those, some of those publishers. Um, and they used to advertise the hell out of, of those G.I. Joe comics. And that's what got me into buying G.I. Joe comics. Uh, because it was right smack in the middle of the cartoon I was watching as a kid. Uh, they don't do any of that stuff anymore. Um, the conventions, they should be spending a lot more money on conventions and because a lot of people actually go to those conventions. And you see families. Uh, if a guy goes, he'll often bring his girlfriend and other friends and so on. He'll talk to other people. And there might be like a couple of, like five or six more people just checking it out just like that, just... They're not real readers; they're casual fans, and so on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you go to the same thing. It was like, all right, um, you know, I got a cotton DVD of a of a cartoon series that came out a, a DC cartoon series, and there's no digital comics in there. There's no mention of comic books at all. There's no advertisements for for DC fifty two. Um, that's a missed opportunity to me. Like, I would throw in some digital copies. I would have advertisement for the D, for DC 52 that you can't get past when you boot it up. Um, like, it's basic advertising and getting the word out to people. Like, if you're failing to do this, you can't bitch about your sales decreasing. <laughs> Especially when you own the company that does the DVDs, the company that <laughs> does the cartoon, and the company that does the comic. Yeah. <laughs> So, what do you guys think is going to happen? Uh, is SOPA going to pass? Yes or no? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with no right now. I think the tide is turning. I think something will pass. I'm not sh- I think SOPA as it stands now will probably not get passed. Something will get passed because uh, what we haven't mentioned at all is it's an election year. Um, money from Hollywood and copyright holders is huge uh, when it comes to donations for campaigns. Um, they need to do something to to get that in and make Hollywood happy with DC again because Hollywood thinks like they've been ignored for the last four years. Um, so something will get passed. I'm not quite sure what. I'm kind of afraid that if it's not SOPA, it actually might be something worse, uh, if that's possible. But uh, I'm I'm crossing my fingers. I mean, the, Google, AOL, Yahoo, uh, the heavy hitters online have stated that if it looks like this is coming to a serious vote, they will shut down their websites for a day and and um, guide everyone to write their elected officials, call uh, Capitol Hill. Um, and have work, having worked on Capitol Hill, just Google alone doing that will collapse the entire infrastructure uh, on technology on the Hill. They're not geared toward being able to handle that sort of stuff. The phone lines will be jammed. Um, the the mailboxes will will basically just get crushed. Um, and that I think unfortunately what needs to be done. <laughs> um, at that point, they might have a clue that this is a really bad thing. And if Google and all those really are serious in it and do just that, I think you'll see the legislation die in spectacular fashion. I hope so. But as you're talking about, I think um, this is just going to keep coming up until we repeal things like the personhood of corporations, uh, the Supreme Court's ruling on Citizens United, 
it's just going to be something that keeps coming up and keeps coming up because money is the only support you really need in politics. Not popular majority. It seems, you know, it's it's getting harder and harder to discern um, corporate America from politics, and uh, it's, uh, it's a little scary. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm waiting with bated breath to see what the outcome is. Yeah, I mean, there's actually a uh, a thought that I've been having, and I've talked to a few folks on it. Um, um, of actually putting together a super PAC whose entire goal is to defeat anyone that votes for SOPA. <laughs> That's like, right, too. I can see, like, uh, Stephen Colbert doing that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, that that's the thing that's crazy is all this money is coming from the corporate end of thing, but it's not coming from the, I'll, I, you know, I, I'll say broadly the consumer end of things, um, which is a pretty broad statement because it's not. Um, but, uh, you know, we need to speak up, like, and support people who, you know, actually are, are doing good in this, and I've got no problem. Like, I am a diehard Democrat. I've only ever worked for Democrats my entire life. Um, the fact that I'm right now rooting Congressman Issa, uh, who is a hardcore Republican, um, on about this is it's odd to me. But at the same time, you know what? I'm going to pat him on the back. And and if if push comes to shove and this thing passes, you better believe I'm going to sit there and say, you know, here are folks who are great on this legislation. And here are folks who are horrible on this legislation. This guy might have been a Republican, but when it came down to it, he did the right thing. Um, I mean, Democratic organizations, the uh, AFL-CIO was one of the signers of the list that was listed by the Judiciary Committee. I mean, the AFL, which is considered a liberal organization, um, is wrong on SOPA. They're wrong on net neutrality. Um, uh, you know, it's this this legislation has nothing to do with parties. Um, people on both sides are against it. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that it's gotten this far is ludicrous. Um, I think partially it was because everyone said this is so absurd. There's no way they'll take it serious. And Lamar Smith, leave it to him, Tea Party nutcase, um, decided to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Tea Party is just bad news all around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I guess, I don't know if we should start maybe uh, like uh, some kind of conclusion. Uh, Brett, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in graphic policy. Um, I mean, I know it's a comic book bin podcast, but I'm, I'm really interested in what, uh, what graphic policy is. Cause uh, I will admit before the SOPA thing, I mean, I, and I was following you on Twitter, but I wasn't like a regular. Yeah. So I'm interested so... in the, like, yeah, tell us about what you do and so on. It's interesting. So, yeah, so the site actually started, um, you know, I've worked in politics for God who knows how long, and my writing got really stale, and I thought very boring, and it was one, like, I wanted to blog um, because of uh, one of my clients. I actually can't blog on um, on video games. It was, it's part of my contract, because that was the first thing I thought about. Um, I was like, you know, there's a lot of great sites that do movies that, you know, why am I going to go against Ain't It Cool? There's no way that I'm really going to take off. Um, there's only so many e- movies you can watch, and I'm just like thinking about, like, you know what? I'm starting to read comic books again. This would be kind of fun to check out. And the stuff that got me back into comic books was like DMZ and um, Ex Machina, um, where you had two heavily political books. And I read it, and I was like, you know, this is actually kind of a good fit. Um, 
so the site launch was it's where politics and comics meet and uh and uh a lot of it was you know we've, i've talked about censorship here and there um sopa is a perfect example but you know every so often you see pieces of the here's something political about comics you know oh there's an election in this book we're going to talk about it um you know pe- people make odd statements and stuff like the Captain America Tea Party thing. Of course, you know, of course we're going to cover it. The right has been bashing comic books left and right um, in the last year or so. So absolutely we're going to talk about it. Like the Archie gay marriage kicked up a bunch of hate on the right. Um, yeah, we're going to take a talk about it. It definitely has a, a left slant. Um, I consider myself a little bit more towards the middle, but you know, the site's got absolutely I put it in the left. Um, so on top of commentary about politics, we do the normal reviews, previews, stuff like that. Um, it's not a full-time thing, so I'm literally like, you know, if someone sends me a press release, I'm not even rewriting it. I'm just throwing it out there because that was kind of the other thing I noticed reading all these sites. It's the same damn thing. Like, if you actually read their things of like, oh, this new comic has been announced, you and I get the press releases. If you go and compare the press release to what they're writing, there's chunks of the press release just – posted again and in, the, yeah. in their writing i was like i could do this um so uh it's been good i mean it's just it's slowly build um and it's one of those things where it's something where i wanted to, you know i'm a, a fan first and i wanted to kind of take my love of comics and my love of politics and do something interesting together so you know i wish i could do more original stuff but um you know i, I have to pay bills first so it's really in my free time um and I'm putting it all together, and you know, there, we've got our our podcast on Sundays. We do a live show oh, cool. uh, with a couple other folks, um, both political people. Um, they throw up stuff every once in a while, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things where it just gives me an outlet to write. Is what really comes down to. That's cool. Then uh, tell us more about you. I mean, you had some cool opinions about Frank Miller this year. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, I know you've got far more experience with the stuff that Frank Miller claimed he was, well, what he created, the comic, the last one he created it. And I know I know for a fact that you've got first-hand experience and probably no one can bash what you would have to say about that because you've actually done far more than most Americans have for your country. Tell us more about that and what's the relationship with comics? Because you have a really interesting story to tell, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, we're talking about uh, Mike Service? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just had to get that clear. <laughs> uh, actually, I served in the Marine Corps for four years. Um, uh, completed a, a combat tour in Afghanistan. Um, was uh, I joined a little later in life. I was 20 when I went to basic training, and um, 25 now. Uh, separated for um, a few months now. Um, honorably just uh, discharged, and uh, I have been a comic book fan. Um, since I, before I could service, uh, serviceably read, um, you know, I, my dad had found a, a comic book in the Lost and Found at the hotel he had worked at, and I was just hooked from then on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the whole, uh, 
Frank Miller thing. I was pretty vocal with that. Uh, I mean, the guy is just... Uh, there's not a whole lot to say about Frank Miller anymore besides he's kind of a, an industry joke. Um, the uh, the tirade he went on against uh, Occupy Wall Street was um, full of sweeping generalizations and um, just overall it was uninformed. And uh, one of the things that really bothered me was um, you know, he took a dig at uh, occupiers for not um, being in the military. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there are several uh, 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 recorded instances of occupiers from the military being involved with, uh, you know, the police brutality or just the um, occupations in general. And uh, there's Frank Miller, who is right on the front lines uh, writing comic books, doling uh, out a <laughs> life lessons, you know. So, um, but yeah, comic book writing is something that I uh, have loved. You know, I've always loved comic books, and um, being able to write about them is just—it's uh, a gift, you know. It's um, a blessing, I guess. Just being able to. Um, uh, Read about comic books. It's, it's a cool thing to do. <laughs> it is. To do. It is. Uh, so, why did you pick the bin? <laughs> I'm always interested. I really don't know. Um, I never ask. Probably. It's a, it's a funny story. Um, I was uh, in contact with Mike Carey, and um, I had a, a phone discussion with him, um, and I wasn't really working for anybody at the time. And uh, so, you know, I, I asked Mike, hey, do you mind if I interview you? I was a huge fan of The Unwritten at the time. It had just started. And um, I, Lucifer was also a, a, made a big impact on my, my reading habits when I was a teenager. And um, so I said, hey, do you mind if I interview you? I'm going to record it. And... Um, So he agreed to it, and we had like this, you know, hour-long discussion about his entire career, and um, kind of established a good relationship with him. I, I have a second um, interview with him that is on the comic book bin, and um, I was thinking, like, okay, what am I going to do with this interview? And um, one of the sites that I like to read a lot was the comic book bin because it had, you know, you go to like several other sites and you see the same stuff over and over again. And then you get to the comic book bin and it's like, Oh, these guys don't even seem to care about that stuff. <laughs> Or like, oh, I'll email this to uh, the editor in chief and see what he thinks about it. And uh, you're accepted and you welcome me aboard. So it's been a, a good relationship ever since. Yeah, even when I believe you went uh, for the service a couple of months at one point, but uh, you came back. Um, yeah, so I, was, cool. uh, I was in Afghanistan for seven and a half months. Um, 
And uh, as soon as I came back, I wanted to start writing again. <laughs> cool. Um, so, uh, how do we end this? Uh, Brett, any <laughs> any comments? I mean, we, we talked so much about SOPA. I guess what yeah. we... On my part, I guess what I would say, I wish the comic book industry would just wake up, fans and readers would just wake up and start say, thinking and and doing stuff and start punishing. I'm not going to go after DC so much. I mean, you know that DC is part of a, is a signatory because Warner is. And obviously, Warner is one of the biggest media companies around. So little DC in its corner... Is not going to make up a, a, a decision on its own. We yeah, know that. Um, DC is the interesting one. So, you know, so everyone kind of understands. So, Disney is a, a signatory. Marvel is. So, there was a list put out by the yeah. Committee of all these supporters. So, so Disney was listed. Marvel was listed. And exactly. A lot of other Disney subsidiaries were listed. So, ESPN. Um, I mean, a long list of companies that I think ABC, like all the companies DC, uh, Disney owns, are all listed. Where Time Warner's, it was interesting, and that's the reason I haven't been as harsh on DC, because I'm not convinced they necessarily agree, but at least they haven't been vocal on it and added their particular name. Like, Time Warner's listed, and there's a couple divisions from Time Warner, uh, but DC's not listed separately. So I, I personally, personally have made... The decision to be a little bit more lax on DC because their name is not listed uh, specifically. Well, I've, um, I've got the same opinion. So. I've got the exact same opinion about that. Uh, I mean, the fact that Marvel put its own name in there, uh, obviously they were probably forced by Disney, but the fact that they, they have a separate listings yes. apart from Disney is something that's like, wow, okay, they went that far. Like, If if they had been covered by the Disney thing, you know, probably people would have given them a kind of a pass, the same way we're doing to DC right now. Uh, but the fact that they have their own entry in that list, yeah. And when you think that Marvel is not the, they have a history about copyrights and creators. Yep. Um, that's not very shiny not very beautiful to look at and that they would put their names to this thing when they're probably not the cleanest of all the companies around uh, in terms of copyrights. And I mean, we mentioned the, the, the Jack Kirby estate issue, uh, but there's more, um, there's far more. Oh yeah. I mean, that was just, that's kind of one of the more well-known, but yeah. it's a long list of uh, court battles and fights I mean, with comic creators. We have creators who were in hospitals when movies about their creations were showing in the, in the theaters. And there were, some of them were in veterans hospital because they had no money to pay for any, for, for their, for their healthcare. Um, I keep forgetting his name. The guy who did the new X-Men, uh, Wolverine, uh, Nightcrawler. What's his name again? Um, Banshee. Uh, excuse me. Um, Uh, Which uh, the uh, writer? Uh, the artist. What's his name? Oh, the artist. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, he did the. He's the guy who did the, the new X Men. Uh, he created Storm and all those characters. Oh boy. Oh wow. Well, well. uh, I have his name somewhere. 
Um, he was one of the best costume designer. Uh, he, he used to work on Legion of Superheroes also. So he, he was one of the best costume designer uh, in the comic book industry. I mean, all the costume he designed for characters were great looking. I mean, that was in the 70s, but still they were... Um, um, I apologize if I... I mean, if you're a big fan of this creator and I don't remember his name, I've got his name somewhere, but I can't recall it. Uh, but you, I'm pretty sure everyone knows who I'm talking about by now. Um, he created Nightcrawler. Um, so a poor man was in a hospital. Uh, not getting a single set from the Marvel films. I believe we have an interview on about him on the site. Uh, Philip did the interview a couple of years ago. But still, the Marvel is not squeaky clean here. And I, I think people need to understand that, that there's crap happening. Um, it's not nice. Uh, another story, that that would be with Archie, Dan DeCarlo. Um, they're releasing a book about, about his work. Um, well, Dan DeCarlo was was uh, was involved in a lawsuit with Archie Comics, and when he lost his case, uh, he died a couple of days later. Now, there's a book about his work that's coming out soon, I uh, believe by IDW. I'm pretty sure they're not going to cover that part. Um, it, things like that get to me because, and and I'm not even because I have a history of not being the most pro supportive of creators. Uh, for other reasons, because I believe in I believe in the expiration of actual copyrights after a while. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people tend to misinterpret what I'm saying as uh, you're against the creator. No, I'm not against the creator. I'm against copyright that lasts for hundred years because those are ridiculous. Um, when copyrights were created, they were good for seven years, then fourteen years, and then they keep doubling all the time. Uh, it, it's out of hand. Stuff should go back to the public domain after a while. I mean, that's because that's how culture evolves. When people borrow things here and there and mash it up and create something new from it. Um, and when you when you leave a copyright for a hundred years plus untouched, and the the public can do anything about it, cannot touch it, cannot do anything, and can can get sued easily just for drawing it drawing something uh, that's wrong there's something wrong and there's a balance because all those companies have borrowed elsewhere in in creating all those iconic characters that we like so much everything from disney was borrowed from a couple of uh the, the brothers Grimm or a couple of french yeah it's all uh, brothers Grimm, yeah yeah uh, and so on um they've borrowed so much why can't they put it back put back what they've borrowed themselves i mean so they've Think about some of the great stuff that's coming out. Fables wouldn't exist if it weren't for copyrights going away on these characters. Um, you have Once Upon a Time that's on ABC, owned by Disney, which is one of the uh, few breakout hits of, the, of a rather craftacular uh, television season. Um, is the, you know Fables done on television? And that, again, has also benefited from a bunch of characters who, who the copyrights lapsed on them. So there's irony of Disney fighting these copyright laws and then and benefiting from copyright laws that have expired. I mean, uh, think about what people could be doing and giving fresh uh, ideas to stuff that came out, you know, the early uh, early 20th century at this point. 
and we can't. Yeah. Um, just to say, uh, I found the, the name of the creator I was looking for, and I apologize for not knowing his, uh, for forgetting his name. It's Dave Cockrum, um, uh, which uh, everyone should know Dave Cockrum. I mean, he designed the new X-Men. He's the reason they're so popular, and he didn't get a single penny from all the stuff, all the money um, that Marvel is doing with X-Men right now. Although Marvel, something to bring in a discussion about, uh, you were talking earlier, Brett, about cross-promotion. With Marvel, what how they should have promoted X Men uh, First Class and uh, and so on, um, we could probably agree that Marvel would probably never uh, do any big promotion on anything related to the X Men franchise, which they've given away to Fox for practically nothing, um, because Disney and Fox are competitors, and every time Fox makes a new X Men movie, um, well, it's Marvel makes pennies of this. They don't make money at all. So that's probably why they didn't promote the last movie, which was a good movie this summer. Uh, there was practically no promotion from Marvel versus yeah. all the promotion that we saw from Thor and Captain America and the Avengers. Uh, well, obviously, Marvel is getting its fair share from from those properties. But anything X-Men related, Marvel's not getting anything. Uh, well, they're getting stuff, but not much. They're getting peanuts. And, and even showing how Marvel lacked uh, their ability to market anything. So one of the things that uh, I was looking at, um, fascinating with Facebook Facts and what you can get out of there, was I was just looking at the growth of pages dedicated to those movies. I mean, X-Men unfairly already had an advantage because of the, the three movies before, but if you actually take growth gains, um, the X-Men blew, I think, Captain America and Thor combined away out of the water as far as what they gained as far as fans and likes on Facebook. Um, so you've got a, a movie production company compared to the comic company that owns the rights of these character pages, and the movie production uh, completely crushed them. Um, and this, again, shows kind of an, an inept ability to uh, properly harness social media. Yeah, so um, how about if we wrap up this discussion and, uh, well, let's just say we hope that the fans are going to start, well, not stop, but start encouraging other sites like Graphic Policy, uh, Comic Book Bin, of course, um, that covers those issues that probably matters more to fans than, uh, I've written that in my bit, my big rant. I don't know what you guys thought about <laughs> it, but I, I, I was so pissed off at everything that day when I wrote it. <laughs> I loved it. I was entertained. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all I like it too. people arguing about Jordan Byrne versus Peter David all the time, and all the gossip crap that we that that other website publish all the time. Don't those people have anything better to do? I mean, there's so many bigger issues to deal uh, with than, yeah. than stupid fights with creators and, and, and store owners and, and grumpy people all the time. Don't we have better things to cover in comics than, 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 than that? I'm sorry about the word, but crap. Well, you're talking about <laughs> uh, market share uh, numbers, which aren't actually very accurate, aren't a better thing to cover. Um, <laughs> no, what you're describing actually takes work and research and time um, and effort into doing any of that. So, no, of course they're not going to do it. So, I don't know, it gets to me when, when I... All those bloggers, those, 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 well, nothing against bloggers, obviously, I'm, I'm one too. But I mean, all, all those, uh, what's the word? All those gossip people. Yeah. It's all about the gossip. Who cares about stupid gossip? 
I care about the actual comics. When I started reading comics, it wasn't about the creator and, and, and a bunch of gossip. It, it was about the actual comic. That's what got me into comics, the actual comic book. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the gossip, who fights with whom, who sleeps with whom this week, and so on. That's crap. That's... <sighs> yeah, I, I, you know, I actually think the good the good wrap up is telling people what they can do. Um, the first is there's there's tons of petitions out there. Um, there's several of them, yeah. You know, sign them. Change.org has some. You know, uh, Entertainment Consumers Association has some. Um, EFF, Free Press. Um, there's tons of different organizations. Uh, but before you even get to that point. Read the legislation, educate yourself, really learn what this is going to do, make an educated decision. Um, you might disagree with us, but at least do it from an education, educated stance. Um, and then, you know, if you want to speak out as far as comic books, we, we kind of slam Marvel a lot on this. But again, Twi- Twister is one of the few uh, major companies that have, have kind of stepped up on this. Um, we put together the site, DearMarvel.com. It's a simple petition right now. You can add your name. Sign the petition, tweet the petition. You know, make sure to tweet "Dear at Marvel." Um, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm disappointed in your stance on so, but maybe they'll have a clue. Um, you know, there's 500 some people now. I'd love to see it get to a thousand uh, quick. Um, you know, th- those are simple things you can do right away, and then pay attention to Comic Bin. Pay attention to our site. Um, we're going to have stuff as it comes up, especially as the legislation comes to uh, a vote and things progress. Uh, to, to give you more options. There's, you know, the, the beauty of me working in politics, I have a lot of tricks up my sleeve um, and uh, an ability to really, uh, to, to launch some fun stuff really quick and, and that's being worked on. Um, easy ways to call your elected officials and look up your elected officials, you know, all that's coming. Um, we're encouraging you to, I encourage you to do it all. Um, just, if anything, don't sit back and do nothing. Like, make your voice heard. Um, you know, get involved in the fight. Sending an email does matter. Doing a tweet does matter. Posting on Facebook does matter. Telling your friends, spreading the message, that's what's important what needs to be done right now. Yeah, something I'd just like to add for people, like, um, as everyone knows by now, I'm not American, I'm Canadian. <laughs> But this issue is so big. <laughs> yeah, that's that, where the petitions come in. Like, it's so big country, that it affects yeah. even Canadians. It, I mean, it's, that's, it, it's that huge. That I'm not even American, and I've posted I don't know how many articles on SOPA so far, because it's <laughs> it, it's it's such a big pile of crap that even as, as a Canadian I have to get involved. <laughs> yeah, and with the uh, Defense Authorization Act that just went through, and SOPA would just be the icing on the mass exodus from America cake. <laughs> Uh, SOPA, SOPA might be a good way to end it. Uh, SOPA, I think, can be summed up uh, by the fact that the first page of the legislation has to defend itself and how it's not a violation of free speech and your First Amendment rights. If a bill has to defend itself, I think that that right away tells you that something's fishing it up. And up. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, Brett, thank you for joining us for this uh, podcast. I'll try, I'll try to get it up uh, as quickly as possible on the website Great. Um, obviously Dan Dan, hey thanks for coming for the first comic book bin podcast uh, next week Dan will be back probably and we'll also have um, 
Andy Frisk, who's also going to become a regular. He couldn't make it today. Um, so we'll continue the podcast. There's a lot of issues we're going to discuss at the bin. Uh, we're probably going to take a more proactive stance than, well, than usual, than, than we've had for a couple of years. Um, and we'll continue that. Uh, I invite everyone to go visit graphicpolicy.com and support uh, Brett all the time and go read the articles. There's a lot of good stuff in there. And obviously, come back to the bin and read what uh, Dan has to say. Dan has a lot of good things to say. The other writers obviously have a lot of things to say. I mean, Dan has his favorites and so on. And what I like about his article is that he says exactly what he wants. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I guess people could say the same thing about my articles. I guess uh, sometimes I, I don't even know if I go too far. I don't know. I don't care at, at this point. <laughs> Uh, but at least uh, when you guys support one of graphic policy, comic book, bin, you at least read from, from real people. You're not reading stuff from people who have editors behind their back telling them, no, you can't write about that. You're going to piss off so-and-so. You're actually reading people who have real opinions and actually care about your your well-being also as, as a comic book reader or even as a casual fan because we keep forgetting the casual fans. There's a lot of people sitting on the borders. Uh, in the comic book industry that are kind of in and out and so on. And those people are actually probably some of the most important people because um, we need everyone in the comic book industry. So um, I guess I'd like to say thank you very much to our, to our guest, Brett. And obviously, uh, thank you to Dan for the first podcast. It's a great one. It's about two hours, just a, a little bit above two hours. Uh, and we'll meet up again. And I guess SOPA isn't the fight for, against SOPA is not over. But thanks for listening and downloading and uh, retweeting this. Oh, um, let's uh, just give everyone a tweet. Um, Brett, I believe you have two tweets and a, two, two, two Twitter accounts. Yeah, and... yeah. So my, my personal is uh, B-H-S-C-H-E-N-K-E-R. Um, you'll get probably a little bit more personal stuff from that and a lot more politics um, for my day job stuff. And then uh, graphic policy is the site for or the Twitter account for the site. And then I, I have to sh- shout out because it's a great organization that's been fighting um, SOPA and a lot of other stuff for consumers is uh, the Entertainment Con- uh, Consumers Association, which is uh, the and then ECA. Um, you know, if you're a video game fan, um, it's another one to, to follow and get some great, great information there. Dan, uh, you have your own Twitter account? Yes. Uh, my Twitter is at Dan underscore Horn, and that's H-O-R-N, not H-O-R-N-E. Well, the Comic Book Bin's Twitter account is simple. It's Comic Book Bin. And uh, if people want to read what I say, it's L'Adventurer. Uh, sometimes there's stuff in French in there, but don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Google translates for. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's it. So, well, thanks guys and thanks for listening everyone and uh, have a nice week until next week thanks for having me alright bye